Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now it is our pleasure to welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Danny Cannell. Danny that we love talking about uh, the national picture, where these teams are, uh, the the chase for the national championship, the chase to earn one of the spots in the college football playoff. We're recording this here on Wednesday morning, November 1st. Uh, the first college football playoff selection committee rankings are out. You get to be the first to offer an official reaction here on the podcast. Uh, what was your? What do you think was one of your one or two biggest takeaways from seeing how that selection committee put their first order of one through twenty-five? Oh, see, I I'm so excited. I feel very honored. I get to give that first reaction. Yeah, I, I think the committee absolutely nailed it. And I yeah. and I don't know if I've ever felt that way about the committee. Like after a poll that's come out, and I'm sure maybe they'll switch it next week, and I'll hate it. But I think they, they sent a couple clear messages, which I think are good messages. I think they said they value strength of schedule, and I think that was clear in a couple different instances, why Alabama's number two and not number one. Uh, and then I also think that they very clearly said we're going to value head-to-head matchups because that uh, Oklahoma-Ohio State dynamic was the most intriguing thing for me. What would they do when the AP poll was out? It had Ohio State at three and Oklahoma all the way at eight. And that drove me insane. Like, how could you do that with both teams having one loss and their very similar schedules? How can you not have the team that won the matchup ranked ahead of them? So the fact that the committee has Oklahoma at five ahead of Ohio State sent a very clear message that they value the head-to-head. So I thought they actually did a really good job, uh, unless you're Wisconsin and you're kind of ticked off. Then I understand what you're paying. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, what about, what about Pac-12 at, out there at number 12? I, I look at that, and I look at the teams above them, and I kind of feel like uh, as we're doing this math, as we're looking at a Notre Dame with the high ranking, as we're looking at two SEC teams in the top two spots, like is or can we just call this right now? Is the Pac-12 out of this? No, because I think you can go down. Like So I don't know if I've told you guys this, but coming into the season, I felt like there was a chance we'd get a two-loss team in the playoff. Well, we thought and it I- would be Florida State, remember? That was a long time ago. <laughs> But I still think there could be one. And you guys might think I'm crazy, but I think we've seen parity this year like we've never seen before. I still think there are some teams with two losses that have an outside chance to get it. Auburn being one, Stanford being one, USC I think even has an outside shot. So I think there's still a chance for that to happen. I think this is more of a message from the committee saying, hey, Washington, last year was fun and all, but this year you've got to do a lot more than you did last year because – a lot of people complained about their schedule, saying, hey, it wasn't that tough. You know, they sh- maybe you should have given two Big Ten teams over Washington last season. But again, this year, the non-conference is sort of laughable with Rutgers, Montana, and Fresno on there. Uh, so they're going to have to do a lot more. But they still have some quality games on their schedule left to go. I'm actually getting to see them play in person uh, against Oregon. But they also have Stanford and Washington State and Utah left to go. So I think there's still a chance they could make a run. So I wouldn't count anybody out like pretty far down. I think you can go pretty far and look and say, all right, these teams still have an, a shot. Maybe it's an outside shot. But Virginia Tech, I still give them a chance. Um, I even still think uh, USC has a chance on the outside, very you know fringe on the outside looking in, need a ton of help. But I don't think it's over with necessarily. Uh, Danny, 
you know, this week you posted your top eight on Twitter and surely, Danny, you were just trying to like needle at Alabama fans and just trying to get, get in their crawl. Like what's fifth? You think Alabama is the fifth best team in college football right now? Now I'm going to ask you the same question. So this was really a, an exercise for me. Okay. So can you tell me, and so this is where I think the committee had kind of a little bit of hypocrisy by having Wisconsin as low as they did and Alabama as high as they did at number two. Can, and so here's the exercise. Can you tell me, Alabama, where would they be ranked if you cannot use the eye test? If you can't say they look like the best team in the country, where would you have them? Well, so, the, I mean, that's a tricky question because, like, if, if you're just talking about just straight up W or L and, and schedule. And then, schedule. Right. But, but can't you include, like, how they look playing? How, can't you include the score? Can't you include how dominant they were? Like, then shouldn't why- that be in – Wisconsin in there because Wisconsin is if the game control metric you could say the same thing about Wisconsin like they have they have controlled every game they've dominated most of their opponents they've done it in the same fashion I don't know like 33 24 Northwestern 17 to 9 Purdue 24 to 10 Illinois like uh those but, but what about Texas A&M 27 19 for Alabama but that's like, the only one that's like the only one for Alabama and otherwise Alabama's as basically just but their opponents are awful. Like if you look at Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Arkansas, like those are awful opponents. They should be blowing them out. So, and I would still, based on the, based on not using eye test, I would still have Alabama ahead of Wisconsin because I think their road has been tougher. But in saying that, their schedule is still a cakewalk. The FSU win has looked considerably worse every week. The Texas A&M win looks worse as we go. So I just, I, it wasn't. And look, if you ask me. Who is a lock to make the playoffs going forward? I would say Alabama. Like I think the, the, I, that's that's how I would separate that. But if you ended the season today and just use without saying look at them, I test. I don't see how you can make a case for them based on who they played. The resume just isn't doesn't stack up with the other teams that are in front of them. See, I, I appreciate the perspective. Like I I appreciate the exercise and like that 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 is how it should be viewed. I think, and that's why Georgia should be number one. Um, that's why Oklahoma should be above Ohio state and and things like that. I think where I have a problem with like that, that sort of cut and dry mentality and is that, look, if we're just going to say, what's your resume, what have you done? Then like you can, you can have a computer that spits these things out. Like, I think you should be able to look at a team and say, all right, all things being equal, same records, no head to head. This team is better than this team. And I think, to me, I can look at Alabama and I can say, um, I know they haven't played anybody, but they but they have absolutely dominated those teams in, in every opportunity. Obviously, but here's my big problem with that. And I'm with you. I like the system we have in place now. I'd rather have people that are using computers to make their decision, along with film study, better than I would have just a straight computer poll. But here's like a big point that I, I like to make. And a lot of analysts don't like me to say this. Because we use the eye test all the time, and we're wrong all the all the time. Like you know, <laughs> if you look at even last year, the Clemson Alabama game, Alabama was a touchdown favorite because they looked like the better team, and everybody and their brother would have told you that. Now it's a sport; it's why we play sports. Because if you gave out national championships, winning based on the eye test, who looks better? Alabama would have ten in a row. You know, maybe eight in a row since Nick Saban has got there. That was kind of my bigger point. Was I? 
I get the point of eye test. I get that it adds value to it. But, man, we're wrong and off the light. Like, were we right last year when we thought Ohio State was one of the best four teams in the country and they get smoked by Clemson? Like, I, I thought USC was a better team based on the eye test than if they would have given Clemson a better challenge than Ohio State. So I, I, I like to play devil's advocate. I like to kind of get people to think a little bit differently than we do. But if you ask me, hey, you are on this committee, you have to pick the four best teams, and you can do it any way you want to, there's no question you would, you'd have Alabama in there every single time. Yeah, yeah. Alabama, oh, go ahead. It's fun to stir up that fan. <laughs> There's no question about that. I enjoy just watching it. <laughs> the, the one other, you know, the one that I did really agree with you on, and I, I actually think with the Oklahoma-Ohio State deal, like people that have Ohio State above Oklahoma, I, I firmly disagree. But my perspective on that changed. Like I thought when, when Oklahoma had a bad loss to Iowa State, who we thought was a yeah. mediocre national team, I was okay having Oklahoma down in like the 10 range because they just, you know, you can't, you can't lose as a 30-point favorite and expect to, to stay up near the top five. But now that I think I, our, our view on Iowa State has changed and Iowa State's a top 15 team and they've beaten TCU, now that gives, to me, my excuse to be like, all right, we can put Oklahoma up there at four or five above Ohio State. Uh where do you stand on that? Like, obviously, you believe Oklahoma should be above Ohio State. Yeah. Do you believe Oklahoma is a better team than Ohio State? And do you think Ohio State can jump Oklahoma at any point in the season based on the way you kind of see that, how this should work? I don't think they can jump them. If they, if they both went out, uh, you know, assuming they both went out, because yeah. they both have some pretty good tests remaining. I mean, Bedlam this weekend uh, for Oklahoma, then they have TCU, and then, you know, West Virginia and then a Big 12 championship game where they're going to have to play a tough quality opponent there. But Ohio State has some good tests as well coming up. Michigan State Michigan uh, still on their schedule on a Big Ten championship game. So I don't think Ohio State can jump them. Now, that being said, like if they both got into the playoff, I might pick Ohio State to win that game right? based on the emergence of JT Barrett's wild passer. Like that was, that was incredible the that he put forward. Here's a question there are a statement that I get, and I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this, because I hear it and I get it, but it devalues the regular season if you say this. So Ohio State fans have been coming at me because I've been making the case that Oklahoma should be number, or ranked ahead of them based on the head-to-head, and they're all coming at me with, well, Ohio State's a different team now. Mm. They're executing better. You know, they're playing better now. And I, what I always come back to them with and say, well, you could say that about any team that lost. Like Clemson, they weren't, that wasn't their typical team when they played Syracuse. So you, as much as it might be true, I don't think you can utilize that as a case for why they should be ranked uh, ahead of them. Now, you could do it as why they should be favored if they're both playing against each other, but not, not in this scenario, the way we decide playoffs in college I think that yeah. the selection committee does, uh, at least in the past, and, and like this is still an experiment for all of us, right? Like trying to figure out what the selection committee values, and it seems like each year we we get a new buzzword, whether it's game control or body clock or uh, you <laughs> know being able to take injuries into consideration or conference championships matter until they don't matter with the Big Ten. Like it, this is a very fluid, flexible process, but I I think that I've heard from uh, Kirby Hoka in the past or I guess it was Jeff long before, but it was like, they 
the selection committee in the discussion, particularly among the top five, six teams, will definitely take into consideration that a team has improved or is playing differently later in the year. And I, I think that Ohio State's greatest strength won't be making an argument that it has improved, but it'll just be continuing uh, the, the offensive growth that they have shown since that Oklahoma game so that the wins down the rest of the way uh, it, it's not it's not nail biters. It's more of the the blowouts that they had going into the Penn State game. Agreed. So they'll have the, the the fashion with which they win could come into play, and I think it should for Oklahoma too. Like it's hard to overlook that Baylor game for Oklahoma and say, well, you guys are telling me you're a top four team in the country and you're barely squeaking by Baylor. Um, you know, and they have to, in, in Kansas State. Even I think they should have won that game by more than a touchdown if they're supposed to be a top four team in the country. So I think that will come into play down the road. But the funny the funny thing is about all of this, the one thing I've learned for certain is that we'll never know what the committee's thinking. Because right. there's a couple reasons. You have 13 people in that room. They will all have different things, the criteria that they value, but also the turnover in that room. Like I think the fact that Barry Alvarez is no longer in there may be one of the reasons why Ohio State isn't above Oklahoma. Like he was a loud voice for a supporter of the Big Ten. And I think that that's another reason why Wisconsin might be so low that they weren't last year because they don't really have that loud voice in the room. And I don't know if we figured that out with this committee so far, this crew, but there's always going to be people that can sway a room. And until you really figure out who that is, you have no idea what the committee's thinking. So I think something that'll be interesting is if say, say, you know, Notre Dame and let's say Clemson loses. I don't know, but, but let's just say Oklahoma wins out, but in, in very uh, just like survivalist fashion, like three points here, seven points there. Meanwhile, Ohio State behind them like blows these teams, like blows Michigan out by 35, like crushes yeah. Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Notre Dame wins out, right? And so then you got Georgia out, then you got sort of status quo above Ohio State, and you have probably a team at that point that most people will be thinking is the best, like one of the best teams in college football, maybe the team that can beat Alabama, who is potentially sitting out due to that Oklahoma loss, and probably a lot of people are thinking they're better than Oklahoma. Like, I, I think I'm inclined to think that that Oklahoma head-to-head over Ohio State should matter and that Oklahoma should get in despite us thinking that they're not as good of a team as Ohio State right now because, like you said, we can be wrong in the eye test. Right. But is that like where do you stand on that? Like, Would you be okay with the Big Ten potentially missing out if things play out like the, the way I just said. I would. So if basically it was coming down to that fourth spot was between Oklahoma and Ohio State, and they both won out, now Oklahoma had not done it as impressively, I would be okay with it. And I think the committee would too, because remember, and this is kind of a joke that the committee even said this, or not even the committee, but Bill Hancock used to say, because I heard the same exact thing when the BCS era was in jeopardy, and Bill Hancock saying, we don't want to go to more teams because it'll you know invalidate the regular season. Like, college football prides itself on the regular season matters. And if you ignore that head-to-head matchup, what message does it send? It says that that doesn't matter. The head-to-head doesn't matter. So I think the committee would have to kind of go with one of their four criteria, which if they both had both conference champs, um, you know, both had similar strength of schedules, the game control I don't believe is one of the four, right? I don't think so. It's a it's a it's a standard they can use, but it's not one of the official criteria. Head to head is so I think the committee would have to look at that head to head matchup and say, 
and it was on the road. Like that's yeah. another you know feather in the cap for Oklahoma. So I think I would still be okay with them giving it to Oklahoma, and I would have no problem leaving Ohio State after the gift they got last year of not being right. Being <laughs> a bye week essentially to go in when everybody else is playing, you know, these conference championship games. I would have no problem having Ohio State. It's it's game. tricky too though because like then you look back to the Ohio State team that won the national title and they could have easily been left out and <laughs> and you know and and so then but it, so it's it's a it's fun, it's fun it's fun to talk about. I all right. What, well, hey, how about this? It could all be a moot point if Oklahoma loses right. to Oklahoma State this weekend and Oklahoma State's a three and a half point home favorite. So, Danny, I'll throw this to you. Like, do you how much confidence do you have in the Sooners being able to navigate not only the rest of its? Yeah, like all right, I, Oklahoma State's the better team. Like you talk about eye test. I like Oklahoma State better. I think they're better defensively. Uh, the quarterback is really interesting for me. And I was doing this on my radio show, show yesterday. If you had to pick Baker Mayfield or Mason Rudolph in their respective systems, who would you take? Mayfield. Mayfield. I do too. But I think it's closer than you think. But across the board, as far as position uh, groups that you would take, I would take Oklahoma State's wide receivers. I would yeah. take backfield. I would take their defense. It's the only position, really, I would give Oklahoma the edge. Granted, it's the most important position on the field. But I like Oklahoma State in this matchup. So I And I, I – Granted, I get kind of stuck, and I'm very stubborn. I picked Oklahoma State to win the conference, which blinds me sometimes from being able to sit back. But I like Oklahoma State in this matchup. I like Oklahoma's I like o- offensive line. I think Oklahoma's got a much superior offensive line here. I'm fascinated. I think this game will be so much fun, and I think that uh, especially after TCU lost to Iowa State, I kind of feel like we're going to get robbed if we don't get a second Oklahoma-Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think that's a pretty good point. So, Danny, I want to go back to Ohio State briefly because you talked about JT Barrett and and how impressed you were with with the way he threw the football over the weekend. Um, but I want to sort of get into that a little bit. We've talked about JT Barrett before. Like, are we getting fooled? Like, should we should we hold off on saying he's back after his five and zero run against Cupcakes and and that was different over the weekend against Penn State? Clearly, but as I watched that game, and I want to get your perspective on this. Like, yes, I was supremely impressed by JT Barrett. He was awesome. Like, but at the end of the day, I'm trying, like I'm trying to decide if I'm being too hard on him. Like ultimately, wasn't it the same? Like the, it was the same offense. Like he was making the same underneath throws, crosser routes. Like to me, I was almost more impressed with the evolution of Kevin Wilson mm-hmm. in terms of like that offense getting a rhythm than necessarily like JT Barrett becoming something different. I still think if he shows up against Alabama or Georgia and those guys really test his ability to make those downfield throws, like I don't know that we saw anything as Penn State that changes my mind about what he is in that aspect of his, of his game. So I, I want to I see if you agree or disagree with that. Well, I think he elevated himself. Like, look, because he went 13 for 13 in the fourth quarter, I'm not saying he's the number one overall pick in the draft necessarily, even any type of NFL quarterback. But for him to in that stage with as much pressure that's been on him and people like us and myself included questioning his ability to make any throws really like i mean i like other than very basic throws yeah him to go 13 to 13 that's tough for college quarterbacks to do against air and practice yeah you know like for him to go out sure. and do that, i do feel like he showed me something but agreed i do think it was more of kevin wilson adapting figuring out what works in that system how to find weaknesses and defenses 
and exploit those mid-game. I thought he adjusted throughout the game, started figuring out some of the weaknesses of Penn State defensively. But, yeah, if you're talking about a team like Alabama uh, who could lock you up man-to-man coverage and just say, all right, good luck, we're going to be covering guys. Yeah, I don't know if I feel much differently about JT Barrett's ability to squeeze it in a tight window. But he still, that might have been one of the best fourth quarters we've seen in Ohio State history, and maybe in college football. Like It, it was like a Vince Young type performance against uh, Texas USC. I thought it was that impressive. Like, and it wasn't the national championship game, but for a legacy game and, you know, top 10 matchups playing with all that's at stake, I, I was, and I was really happy because I, I felt some of that pressure myself when I was at Florida State. People were like, oh, you know, Charlie Ward, we miss him. And we're, I, I know what that's like. And it, it's, it's increased the pressure that's on college quarterbacks has increased a hundredfold mm. because of social media, because of the 24 seven, uh, you know, media coverage. So for that reason, like I'm really happy for him, and I I, I root for him. I was I was hoping yeah. at that breakout performance. So I think you know, that's kind of like I know it was kind of a rambling long answer. So I kind of I hear what you're saying, Martin. I agree with you, but I also think that was really a super impressive. And I, and I agree with that too. And I was rooting for him too. Like I I think I'm gonna get labeled as a JT hater if I keep on harping on this. I'm just I'm just fascinated by this this arc here, and and I'm I'm really interested in how it plays out because I'm I'm rooting for him too like I, the guy's clearly a great leader he's clearly an awesome dude like I was texting with my buddy who had bet on the game at halftime he bet on up, up front I think with Penn State I think he bet on halftime he just needed Penn State to win by four and and those last few drives we were just texting back and forth we like this is over like there was no question he was going to drive them down the field and score like it was just he had that kind of sort of laser focus and they were just so like they were the the, the offense was in such rhythm so it's this Ohio State team may have caught something just with that sort of last 16 passes with JT Barrett. And I think it does. Like, granted, and we talk about it every week, like how you buy in. I think there is something to finding a rhythm, finding confidence in all those blowouts. Like, that means something. You know, like they were, yeah. they, they're not caring. They're saying, hey, we're scoring 50 a game. Let's keep doing it. Why does it change? So, as much as we can say, hey, it was against nobody, it clearly meant something to them, their belief in the system, and JT Barrett's belief. The uh, Also, to your point about the coaching staff, a very interesting quote that came out of Columbus during the bye week leading up to Penn State. It was quarterbacks coach Ryan Day, who's been all over the place. I mean, y'all yeah. might, yeah, Ryan Day is uh, certainly a name to watch moving forward. Ryan Day told the Columbus Dispatch one thing that they did during the bye week is they did a better job of picking the plays that fit their personnel rather than trying to force the personnel into the plays. And that Which- might great be the switch do, which is what great coaches do and that's what some coaches you know it drives me nuts you'll see them trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole sometimes i see that with jared stidham at auburn like is he the perfect fit for the system that they've run uh for the past few years but the ability to make that adjustment and work to jt barrett's strengths and f- calling plays as such is why people will be talking about ryan day i remember talking to him when he was at bc you know, he's an old Chip Kelly uh, guru guy. So, yeah, he's been uh, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, uh, big ACC matchup down in South Florida Saturday night, Virginia Tech and Miami. Uh, Miami did not play well against North Carolina. Virginia Tech has has been uh, – I've I, Danny, I've been re- comparing them to a race car that's just trying to get hummed up, like get ready to be in top shape for November uh, coming after that Clemson loss. They've been building up to this point. This is uh, this is a huge spot for the Hurricanes. 
how do you see like where where's your head at right now with this matchup because you mentioned Virginia Tech earlier like that's a team that could with the path ahead of it climb back into uh, the college football playoff race as a, a top one loss team uh, what do you what do you see between the Hurricanes and the Hokies I like Virginia Tech in this game. I just I don't trust Miami. I think you know I thought they got over that hump in Florida State. There's no doubt they're better than they've been, and Mark Richt has them headed in the right direction. But they have played down to their opponents, if you want to call that, or maybe they're just about the same as some of their opponents they've been beating, right? Yeah. I mean, because I think that's what Mark Rick keeps saying. But Virginia Tech, I feel like, has been completely forgotten about in the national scale since they lost to Clemson on the national stage. But they've been handling their business. They beat BC on the road. Uh, they manhandled uh, North Carolina and uh, and Duke back to back, which I think you know. You say, "Oh, well, what does that really mean?" And it probably not much. But if you compare those games and common opponents with Miami, what they just did against North Carolina, it's not even close. And I think Miami, I I just don't trust them. I don't know if they're at the stage like next year. I think I'll like Miami a lot better than I do this year. And I think Virginia Tech's defense is stronger. I think they're going to really present some challenges for Miami. Um, and I think I think uh, Virginia Tech still has a really good chance to win the ACC, not just to play for it, but to win it. Mm. I agree with that. Do you, like do you guys like Do you guys like Miami in this game at all? I like no. I like Virginia Tech. No, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think that this is. Uh, I think it's Miami's been living on borrowed time. This is. Uh, it's this. They get their comeuppance this week. Yeah, uh, and I agree. I think Virginia Tech could. could Win of the ACC championship game too. That, like they're sort of the team no one's really talking about. I don't. Uh, I don't know about ACC championship yet. I'll tell you what. You know what? This this stood out to me about Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is on par with Alabama in terms of points per drive allowed. Their red zone defense has been tremendous, and yep. Miami doesn't have. My, Miami doesn't look like a team on offense that really intimidates me. I think that forcing three instead of allowing seven or coming up with stops entirely is the margin and the difference maker for Virginia Tech. Uh, not only against Miami, but, man, they could if they can be, go and beat Georgia Tech the next week, too, that's a, that's about as impressive a, a back-to-back. I know Georgia Tech's not ranked, but for this Virginia Tech team, I'll have more belief in them being able to stand up to Clemson if they can keep this rolling through the next two weeks moving forward. I think Clemson's got to be careful this weekend, too. I think NC State... Playing in Raleigh's not easy. I know nobody really thinks of it as an intimidating place, but NC State coming off a loss, uh, Clemson feeling good about themselves after getting that fourth spot. Maybe you know starting to feel like, hey, you know, all we have to do is show up. I think NC State could be a little bit salty there, so I think that could be a spot for Clemson to watch out. Ah man, I'm I'm nervous. Uh, this, I think Naheem Hines when he went down, that offense. Yeah. Different. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was totally different. I'm I'm a little bit nervous. I'm here in Raleigh, uh, Danny, and I just I can I can sense it that that surging confidence that peaked going into the Notre Dame game is is, is a little bit shaky right now. They'll show up. They're going to be loud. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. But uh, I think I think program depth is the key phrase for Clemson and M- NC State on uh, on Saturday afternoon this though with Hines going out like when you're an offensive coordinator I think it's really tough to kind of find that production when it happens mid-game but if you know you're going to be about them and Drinkwitz Drinkwitz has some time to figure out how to create some offense and get other guys involved I think that loss won't hurt as much now it's still going to be a drastic loss when you lose a player of that caliber but I think he's one of the better offensive coordinators and innovative minds and I think Finley's still a really good quarterback sure a lot of mistakes and he can he can expose defenses so 
I think I, I, I would love NC State to cover, and I, you know, I wouldn't go out on a limb and say, hey, they'll flat outright win, but I just think it's a spot that could be tricky for Clemson. Uh, ACC Coastal on the line in South Florida, but Pac-12 South on the line in Southern Woo! California. Khalil Arizona, Tate. Khalil Tate, my boy. Going up against USC, Danny, where are you at with the with the Khalil Tate mayhem? I, I'm so on board. It, uh, what, what's going to happen in this game? How can you not be? Like the, the, the stuff that he's doing is off the charts. Uh, four times in a row he's been Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week. It's never happened in the history of the it's conference. It's insane. I mean, a 70-yard touchdown every week. I mean, he is one of the most electric players in the country. I was trying to find odds on him to win the Heisman Trophy, and I couldn't find him, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah, I was looking at the same thing. If he wins it, this, he's going to like become maybe a favorite, which I would love to see play having not played that much. But Rich Rodriguez, how about the story of this season for Arizona? Like He was on the hot seat coming in. And, you know, I'm thinking, where, where are they going to turn it around? They lose early to Houston in an ugly game. They lose. They start off 2-2. Two and two, And then he lucks into this where his quarterback gets hurt. And Khalil takes right. it in. And it's like a totally different offense. Like, it's fascinating. And I think it does. I think it puts some pressure on USC because Arizona's playing with house money right now. And USC's kind of playing to save their season. Are they going to be really thinking, you know, Arizona's a real threat to them? So I, I, I can't wait to watch this matchup either. It's uh, how is how has Rich Rod been sitting in two a days, and and watching Khalil Tate run with the twos and be like, yeah, that dude's the backup. Yeah, it, the only thing I could say, and this is somebody who was horrible in practice myself, as the Khalil Tate, maybe he was horrible in practice. You know, maybe yeah. it was that bad. And he's one of those guys that's a gamer, and it's hard to tell now without being able to tackle full sure. in practice. You might watch a guy and be like, oh, he would have been tackled there. But in reality, when he's going full speed, guys are trying, they can't. That's a great point. That is yeah. a great. I, I got Arizona in that game, by the way. I'm I'm all in on this Arizona train. I think they get. I think that Khalil Tate wins the Heisman Trophy in the Pac-12 championship game. Oh, give me some odds on that. I yeah. like that. <laughs> Big time spotlight. Yeah, uh, I like. That. Um, he what, is. What about let's get, let, let's get to hold on. We we got to get uh, LSU Bama take before. Oh we get yeah, out yeah, here. for sure. I, I'm curious. I'm curious whether you think that this is an LSU team that can just hold up against this Alabama team? No, I don't think so. I think defensively they could slow them down somewhat, but I just I don't think their offensive problems are solved. I don't think Danny Etling is dynamic enough quarterback. Guys, there are too many questions about his health. Like, if they're able to shut down Leonard Fournette, I know it's a new offensive coordinator and it's a different system, but it sure looks pretty familiar when they're not trying to do many things with the same quarterback. I don't think so. I would love to see it close because I'm really curious. I want to see Alabama tested in the fourth quarter, something yeah, we yeah. haven't seen. I, I, th- I'm, I have a hunch Nick Saban would actually probably like that as well and to see them win, but to see them you know, actually have to play deep into a game. But I just don't think LSU is dynamic enough offensively. The only way I think LSU has a chance in this game is if they buck it up, make it ugly, you know, and it's one of those you know, field goal kicking contests. But I think it'll be like the typical – Bama, and what you saw against Florida State. Like, it'll be kind of ugly. They'll grind it out. Maybe in the second half, it's 10-7, 10-3. And then LSU will make a couple mistakes, and Alabama will just turn on, you know, put in the workhorses, and they'll just run away with the plate. I just don't see it any differently than that. Do you guys? Hard hard to hard to envision this thing not being a blowout. Yeah. Like, I'm try, I, 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 I mean, we had to pick this game for, like, our experts' like picks, and I, I picked Alabama cover in 21-and-a-half. Like I, I would love to see it close too, but I just 
I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it happening. Thirty-five yeah. ten. This is yeah. yeah it's thirty-five ten, and uh, and it'll be like a defensive touchdown. Like it'll be it'll be never in doubt, and it'll be twenty-eight ten, and Danny Etling throws a pick six. If yep. they can keep this thing close, that's where Matt Canada finally like earns his keep. Like he's done. I think he's the thing has evolved enough to where like it, they look to me they look different. Like they look like they're doing some new things. They're 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 more interesting to watch offensively. But if if but this is why he was hired ultimately. Well, to I give think them a shot here. More interesting if they could protect Danny Etling versus this defense, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. No, because yeah. I think Matt Canada probably has some great plays drawn up <laughs> that would. Right. If you had time, I just don't think you can have that time. Yeah. It's not good to be playing uh, freshman offensive lineman against Alabama. Not no, a, never a good thing. Never a good thing. Uh, he is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. Great to be back. Uh, we'll link up again next week. You guys are the best, man. Have a good one. See you.